Hello, everyone. My name is Cash Miller. I am the CEO of Titan Media Works. We do podcast production and I'm the host of Marketing Masters. And today we are going to talk a bit of experiential marketing, um, you know, a number of things, you know, as far as building up your campaigns and being able to reach new audiences. There's yeah. a ton of stuff that you can do, whether it's organic strategies, paid strategies. Yeah. Like there's a lot of experiential campaigns that are gaining traction. Um, and also how do you optimize the ad creative? You know, a lot of business owners, whether they're working with an agency or they're trying to do it themselves, mm -hmm. you know, they struggle with these things. Um, I've got with me Keegan Carthy. He is with vision management. Keegan, it's great to have you on. Tell us a bit about your, uh, agency what you do a little bit about vision management we started about a year and a half ago with the aim to kind of break the stigma of the typical digital marketing agency especially that young people run where it's scammy it's more just people trying to get their money mm. not doing work not getting an roi for their clients a little bit about what we do we have a strong focus in paid advertising on social uh, as well as seo and ppc for local service businesses Okay, well then, great. We'll start there because you know there are only so many ways, um, you know, with digital marketing that we can actually get traction, get an ROI, and you have a no. There's you know different things we can do organically, and, and you know with paid advertising. So when you're working with a client, how do you typically you know look to balance you know and also when you're like say paid can be social, it could be programmatic advertising, it could be Google Ads, whatever it is. You know, how do you balance the the two, you know, organic strategies to get traction, but also your paid stuff? Organic in regards to social, um, we try and stay away from just because like you're at the mercy of the algorithm at the end of the day. And you can, if we, we're going to work with somebody who has a small budget and or is only going to go for organic, we may as well use whatever budget they have, even little as a dollar a day, so that we're getting in front of the ideal audience, the ideal client all the time. Yeah, so you're focus, you know, focusing on the, um, the audience side of things, saying, okay, well, we could be posting, we could be trying to be, you know, build up organically, but paid ads are going to help us as far as we're going to be able to target better, right? Correct. Okay. Um, you know, so if you were going to go, let's, we'll dive into paid ads, you know, for social right now. What are some of the platforms that you're seeing that seem to be getting the best return? Meta for sure. But I mean, that's kind of a staple for any paid, any advertising agency as well as TikTok. TikTok seems to have the cheapest CPM, obviously. CPM views, likes, engagement is a vanity metric at the end of the day. But having cheap ads, being able to test a ton of creatives and get a lot of eyes on them helps a ton because we've found engagement is an early indicator of sales, especially if you're using a low cost testing strategy with your creatives. Okay. What kind of a low cost testing strategy would you use, you know, to get out the gate? Because you get a lot of different, you know, types of creative you can be doing, you know, so mm -hmm. we'll go there in a second. But what are some of those strategies you use to determine what campaigns will have a chance of success. So what we like to do, I call it throwing a bunch of shit at the wall, seeing what's going to stick because I've never met a marketer that's able to look at a batch of creatives and tell me what's going to work. If I had, I'd hire them right away, but we just want to throw a bunch of stuff at the wall, see what's going to work. So we will throw, depending on budget, anywhere from, like I said, a little as a dollar a day up into $50, $100 a day for a week. We'll throw that against 
look at the KPIs after that week. If it's hitting those KPIs, then we'll put the real money behind it. If it's not, we'll kill the ad. And then we just rinse, repeat. If that creative's working, then we just make more content like that, et cetera, et cetera. Have you seen any particular ad format that is like worked better, you know, being like um, video ads versus image ads? You know, there's also, you know, if you're on Facebook, you could use lead forms and stuff. Are there any particular things that you've had more success with than, you know, um, other, you know, types? Short form video for sure. That's 99% of what we do on the creative side is short form video. And it's the reason it's because, it works. It allows you to know, like, and trust the person, especially if it's a founder-led brand. For people to buy, like I said, they need to know, like, trust you. That's not going to happen through image. It's going to happen through video and actually implementing a proper content strategy. Okay. So when we say short form, though, a lot of people don't know, like, what's the optimal length for those videos that seems to get a response? Because you can, you know, short form is kind of whatever anybody's thinking. It could be 30 seconds or short form could be in some cases like two minutes, you know? So is there a sweet spot for that? We haven't found necessarily a sweet spot. It kind of depends like what part of the funnel you're in. If it's top of funnel and you just want to get eyeballs, it's like, super short, 20 seconds and under. If it's middle of the funnel where you're just giving away a ton of value, that's when you may be a little bit longer and then around that 60 to 90 second. The bottom of the funnel, that's more kind of like retargeting full length YouTube videos, that sort of thing. Okay. Um, If you're a business owner, do you have any particular, because video, you know, can be, in this day and age, it's actually gotten really easy to create video, but are there recommendations you have for them being able to put it together, you know, so the business owners, some of the do it yourself type ways that, you know, you would recommend in getting it done, because if we're going to do stuff, especially if it's content related, or even if you're using it for, you know, it could be organic, or if you're using it for ads, you know, you've got to be able to change things fairly regularly. Correct. Basically the best advice I have, especially for business owners in a do it yourself mode, just pull out your phone and start recording. You don't need a fancy camera set up. You don't need anything special. Just open your phone, start recording and go from there. At the end of the day, it's I'm guilty of it. I don't like filming content, but I do it. Just start recording, just get it out there and you'll work through the kinks yourself. Yeah, what about using user-generated content? Um, you know, because that can be a little bit harder to come by, you know, but you know, now if you're a really big brand, uh, that often, you know, can happen, but how do you get it? How do you solicit user-generated content? So, only the I just want to preface the only time we've used UGC is when we've worked with DTC brands. What we've done is either you can go through like the typical influencer marketing campaigns or look at Spark ads, TikTok Spark ads. If you are a massive brand and people are making content hmm. about your brand, as an example, is at a conference in Nashville, and there was a the marketing team there from Dollarama or sorry not Dollarama that's Canadian version Dollar General I think it was yeah. And they were having, they were trying to recreate, or they're having struggles with the narrative, that Dollar General negative narrative. Can't remember exactly what it was. And me and a few people suggested Spark ads, because all you do, just search on TikTok, Dollar General, and there's some good things about people in the store, that sort of thing. Run Spark ads against it. It's raw, authentic content from real people that doesn't look like your typical ad. That can go a long way in reaching your marketing goals. Hmm. Um, 
when did it, like I'm not as familiar with Spark ads and such. So, you know, we don't as an agency, we don't work on TikTok a lot, but yeah. you know, it's uh are there any equivalents on any of the other platforms that, you know, cause that's a great idea. I understand why it'd be for bigger brands. Cause you got to make sure that, you know, somebody's actually saying something, you know, but does Facebook or Instagram, you know, do they have any other, you know, like similar options for that? I could be talking out of my ass here, but I don't think so. Um, not where you can just go search on Instagram, see who's talking about you and then just boost it from there and go through the, the following steps. But TikTok is a kind of ahead of the game in that sense. When you're going through the uh, the creatives themselves and you're trying to figure out what actually is working and what's not, what are some of the things that you're focused <laughs> on from a testing standpoint uh, to determine what would be, you know, hey, you're running two or three ads, you know, uh, against each other. What is your kind of deciding metric that says, hey, this one's the one we should probably focus on that can have more success, you know, and do you run it and how many, you know, kind of test runs do you go through before you start, you know, rolling out on a broader basis? Okay, so in regard, if we're running two or three ads against each other, kind of the KPIs that we're looking for, it all depends on where we're at in the funnel. If it's top of funnel, we're looking just pure engagement. If is it over that 10% engagement rate, that's where we've found the sweet spot. If it's there, we'll put more money behind it. If it's more of the middle of the funnel, we're looking at the click-through rate. We're looking at where people are going on the Google Analytics side. We're looking at that's actually starting to drive conversions. Same sort of thing on the bottom of the funnel stuff. Hmm. Okay. Um, can you go a little bit deeper in that? You know, like, hey, we're going to roll out. Like, for example, how many campaigns are you usually running like or test ads against each other? To, you know, how deep do you got to go to really find those winners? <laughs> We'll do twenty. We'll do twenty to thirty at one time for, for a okay. month, just to see what works. Like I said, we just we roll out a ton of different creatives and then see what works. That's kind of how. That's kind of our strategy. Okay, and then when it comes to actually segmenting the audiences, mm-hmm. you know, because we know that the platforms, especially social, you know, have restricted segmentation quite a bit over the last few years, you yeah. know, due to privacy concerns and any number of things. Um, from an a- advertiser's point of view, it's a horrible thing. <laughs> you know, they've been, <laughs> oh, yeah. they, they've been, you know, making it harder and harder. So, uh, what have you been working on, you know, to really kind of get around that a little bit or to, you know, let's say we still got to figure out ways to hone in the audiences. So <laughs> do you have some suggestions or strategies that you've seen that are working for you? So specifically, I'll talk about meta here. Specifically on Meta, what we'll do, we'll target super broad, not super broad, not saying like all of a country, but we'll define the ICP, stay broad and collect data for around a month. And the key part is we're passing back that conversion data through the API so that we can let Facebook's algorithm optimize for good and better leads. Okay. Um, in the case of social campaigns, have you seen much successes when it comes to lead generation? Because a lot of social stuff, it's great for brand awareness, mm-hmm. you know, but lead generation can be really a struggle on that end. For sure. So 100%, we've seen it. So there's a couple of different things that we've implemented for our clients. First, this is for more founder-led brands. It's We're just generating a lot of top of funnel, middle funnel type content. Then... And all that's just brand awareness, brand awareness campaigns with a call to action at the end, like and follow. Then we'll implement an appointment setter who's going to reach out to every single person that fits their ideal client 
in the DMs on whatever platform, usually it's Facebook, Instagram, and then go through and be like, hey, thanks for the follow. Thanks for supporting the content. Can I help you with anything? Something along those lines. And do lead generation that way rather than the typical go to a website, book a call or fill out a form, that sort of thing. That's kind of the new funnel that we've seen that is honestly crushing for a ton of people, specifically for founder-led brands. Yeah. So what, what do you think is attributing to it um, working well? <laughs> it's the no like trust because it's not like the typical ad where it's like, hey, founders, book a call with me if you want to 10x your return on ad spend. It's not like that. It's like, I'm giving away a ton of value to my audience and all I'm asking them to do is like and follow. It's okay. It's it's more authentic in my opinion and it's a, it's a lot easier for people to have a conversation rather than being like, okay, I'm going to watch a ton of this guy's content and then think about buying. If you can have appointments set or get them on a, even in an intro or a discovery call, it's just going to shorten your sales cycle a lot more. Hmm. Um, what kind of follower numbers do you need? You know, like say, if you're going to generate, you know, enough conversations to make it worthwhile, mm-hmm. what kind of counts do you have to get up to, you know, and for people actually following, you know, say, because you have a lot of, if you're going to put somebody to, to doing the follow-up continuously like that, you got to have a lot of conversations already started because, okay. you know, I say, so what numbers do you need to achieve? Is that really a specific follower account? You can start as little as zero, right? Because it's people are coming from the ads, not your already existing audience. So Cash, if we were to introduce this for you, it, I don't know how many followers you have. You could have yeah. 200. Doesn't matter. We're going to implement all those ads that I talked about, 20 to 30, run them against each other. People are going to be liking you, following from all those ads. You're going to have an appointment center, having conversations with those people that are coming to you. And we're going to continuously run this, going to see what creatives work, put more money behind them, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. And, you know, so, well, you're you're generating those conversations because of the ads themselves. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Give an example, if you can. Mm-hmm. Um of how many conversations should you be shooting for to make it worth having, you know, I say essentially an appointment setter or somebody doing this full time, you know, what kind of a number or um, a number of conversations do you need to get going? That kind of depends on what your schedule looks like. If you're really, if you're in the business and you can't really put aside an hour or two a day, then it should be kind of be right away commission only appointment setter. But if you kind of just starting out, you're not working on a lot, may as well just do it yourself and not delegate. But I mean, that's kind of the key rule of business. It's like, if you don't have to, if you were starting out, keep your margins fat, don't delegate. That's kind of, that's my advice. Okay. What about, um, like say, have you been working any in with like Google ads and stuff? Cause there's been a lot of changes there. You know, you've got the Google max campaigns, you know, mm-hmm. stuff that's going out on YouTube. You know, do you have recommendations on how to, you know, help improve those kinds of campaigns? Cause you get the, a lot of YouTube stuff going on. Yeah. You know, and YouTube has changed, you know, a bit. They've, you know, they're following that short form video content. So have you been working in that space lately? Not for not a lot of YouTube stuff for B2B. What kind of what we're doing for our clients, it's more retargeting people to go to YouTube videos okay. as kind of the middle bottom of the funnel stuff. But with Google ads and the some of the local service businesses we're doing, obviously, you know, Google local service ads rolled out, I can't remember when, sometime last year. Mm-hmm. And we've, we've been seeing good results 
for a client because you're essentially just paying for Google's calls. Yeah. And then you can obviously mark if it's a good lead or not, they'll refund you, et cetera. Right now it's a super low cost, at least our clients, they're paying like 50 to $100 per call. And I mean, where their packages are three, four, five thousand $5,000, that's a great return. Yeah, but they're still limiting, you know, those service ads to yeah. only certain industries. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know, it's, I know, like I've heard that kind of number where it's $50, $100 a call, but depending on the service business, you know, if you're a roofer and you can get that job, it can be worth it. But if you're a plumber and the whole job was worth $300, yeah, you know, that's a bit on the pricey side. Exactly. Plus, like, there's a lot more things. Like, you need to have a strong Google My Business. You have a lot of reviews because there's like a local three pack that will come up at the top. But it'll be like the Google guaranteed. But if it's yeah. a ton of competition and your business with five, five three star reviews, you're not going to show up in that three that local three pack compared to a company that has a hundred five star reviews. Yeah. Is there a particular method or like I guess algorithm that Google's using to determine, you know, which ones it's you know showing? Because everybody, if you know, if you're in the system itself, um, you are eligible to pay for the lead. So how's Google determining which ones are getting shown in that three pack? Is I mean that's it's limited space and. Most people for service businesses, you know, they search off their phone. They don't go to the computer anyway. But to, to even get to the more, I mean, you're probably, the majority are making the decision off of the first three before they're, you know, digging deeper to find another business, you know, and make a call to one of those, you know, get past those three. So I say, have you seen or, you know, like what's the methodology that Google's using to determine who's even up there? Honestly, I don't really know for certain, but what we've found in our experience, it's no different than running PPC campaigns. You need a strong Google My Business, updated pictures, reviews, basically just having that optimized. It's kind of the best way. Yeah. So using a lot of the same things you would do, say, for Google Maps and, you know, yeah. take your map listing, make sure it's fleshed out as, you know, much as possible. But it's still a lot of competition that's in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and also technically, you know, somebody could call multiple companies. I know that, you know, it doesn't matter whether they, if they call you, you're paying for that call. And if they, if it's a spam call or something, you got to prove it was. Yeah. Uh, so you know, there's some challenges you face. I know approval for those ads is a bit of a challenge too, because they want to, but you know, they want the licensing requirements. They're saying they're Google certified and everything. So that's a problem as well. Hundred percent. It's it's obviously still new, um, but it's a different option for people that don't really want to do the typical PPC campaigns. Mm -hmm. It's just another option that Google's doing. Yeah. What have you um, seen? Any uh, specific challenges in getting a business approved to run those ads? Honestly, not really. It's just we've had it. Honestly, we've been pretty thankful that it's been very straightforward and easy, just submitting like the licensing insurance, et cetera. And then kind of after five to seven business days, Google, we're just approved. Yeah. Cause I know with maps, it's getting ridiculous. You know, it's walkthroughs and, sh you know, physically showing your presence <laughs> and that you really exist. And, and I know they're cracking down of course, cause there are a lot of um, people yeah. that have like, you know, yeah. gotten, places that really don't exist, you know, or, you know, barely exist. Um, a lot of co-working spaces and stuff like that, you know, that's, you know, anything they can to get an additional location and service businesses are some of the most guilty, you know, about doing those kinds of things. Uh, so 
you know, Google's definitely taking a lot more seriously than they have in years. In fact, so much so, though, that it's become a pain in the ass for the ones that are legit. 100%. Uh, are you, uh, I know on our end, we've like, for a long time, we helped businesses get their map listing, of, you know, verified and everything, but we stopped, you know, because it's like gotten to be such a struggle. Are you kind of seeing the same thing? Not really for us. Like we're very, at least on the local service side, we're very particular about how we, who we work with just because there's, it's like as a marketer, I want to pour gas in a fire. I don't want to create a fire. So there's like, we're looking for like a strong, strong Google, my business, strong reviews, a verified map listing. So we don't have to deal with backend bullshit. We can just launch a campaign and go from there. So for us, not really. We're just kind of like launch the campaign away you go. Okay. So let's see, you know, in the future, like what do you, what's your take on AI and how it might influence some of these things? Cause everybody seems to be rolling out some sort of some version of it, no matter what. I think as founders, we're okay, but it's for more employees that it's going to be an issue. You need to be able to do it all. Otherwise, AI will replace you. And for the people that already know how to do everything, it's only going to make your job easier and you're going to be able to do a better job. For us, because we process so much video, we had virtual assistants and some team members who helped out on the repurposing side. So going into a podcast, chopping up the clips manually, providing timestamp sheets, that sort of thing. Now AI can do that all. We can just plug a file in. It'll get all the clips, edit that accordingly. That completely gets rid of video editors and low level people like that it's made my job significantly easier and mm. a lot cheaper too so my suggestion with ai basically learn how to do a lot of things so that you don't get replaced yeah well this has been great keegan how would people get a hold of you if they wanted to uh be able to work with you you can see keegan carthy google that go to any social media platform reach out or visionmanagement.co Okay, well, my name's Cash Miller. I am the host of Marketing Masters, CEO of Titan Media Works. We do podcast productions. It's been another great episode. We'll see you on the next one. Thank you for tuning in.